Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Jason Maledsky. Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn with you. We're here to create conscious connections, to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust. Trusting the entire journey. If you would like to connect with us on the internet, you can go to trustthejourney.today. That's our handle for the website. It will find us anywhere on the internet. Uh, We're on Instagram, we're on Patreon, we're on YouTube, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we're on just about everywhere that you could type trustthejourney.today. If you would like to support the show, you can subscribe any of those, you can give us ratings, you can like you can make comments. Uh, most importantly, the biggest way to support the show is with your wallet. If you want to go to patreon.com, you can find us quick and easy. Go to trustthejourney.today. Scroll down, hit the donate on Patreon button, become a Patreon supporter of the show. And for any level of donation, you will be included in the Trust the Journey family, which is a private Facebook group that we curate. And you will soon be able to find my new guest, Matt Blank, in that group. Hey, hey. That group is a safe space for emotionally safe sharing for us all to be involved in and share and know that the internet sometimes does have safe places where we can go and and we don't have to worry about, you know, people coming at us sideways or whatever vibes that aren't ours. We take care of that vibe and we all make that space together. So we'd love to have you in the Trust the Journey family. It's a great space. Uh, I'd also love to send some love out to Kimberly Joy Voice, our podcast editor and support. She does all the postings and all the editing for our program. And if you would like her services, she's available at KimberlyJoyVoice at gmail.com. And she would be happy to take care of you. If you would like to get a hold of my partner and teammate on Trust the Journey, it's MelanieCurtis.com. And she would be happy to reach out or for you to reach out to her in any way. You can also reach out to me on Instagram, Jason underscore Maledsky. DM me anything you want to share. I get messages all the time. It's so awesome to feel the connection from people who can find the value in our program. So feel free to reach out anytime you like. Uh, today's episode is really special. We're doing a, another episode of walking each other home. This is a program that gives me the opportunity to leverage a lot of my favorite things. It's about spending time with people that are really special and people that I care about. And I feel like have a, you know, important aligned missions in life that are values aligned. And it's about recognizing, uh, the finality and the the temporary state of existence in our, this journey, this, this is a mortal journey as humans, and it does have an end point. And that is something that is really overlooked a lot of the time. And, and the fact is we're all walking each other home every step of the way. It's one long march to the end and how we'd spend it and who we engage with and the way that we engage with them and the value that we reap out of it and how we care for each other is is a big part of this. So I'm really happy to be deepening my personal connection with my friend Matt Blank, who is here on the show with us today. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> happy to be here. Pleasure to have you here. I've been yeah. looking forward to this for a while. <laughs> Let me introduce Matt. Matt is a very interesting fellow. Um, If you go to blanketstunts.com, you can learn more about him. He's got his website up there. Uh, He grew up in Southern California, skateboarding by day, racing BMX bikes, a lot of times surfing. He's a super creative athlete. And I love the word. If you're talking about creative athlete, you're talking about Matt Blank. Creative handhelds. This is one of his descriptions for what he's doing with his base jumping <laughs> these days. And I find, I find that really inspiring. I love that. Um, also, speaking of creative work, um, also involved with Disney as a story, correct, correct me? Story analyst. Story yeah. analyst. So analyzing for Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. So Matt's a very diverse fellow. He comes at life with a very unique perspective. Um if you want to learn more about him, you can go on blanketstuds.com. You can look him up on LinkedIn, Matt Jamil Blank. He's also on Instagram, Matt Blanket. And Matt also has his own podcast. 
Yeah, Exit Point is uh, our uh, podcast. Um, I'm running it with uh, Laurent Fraught out of uh, France, and our sound engineer is uh, Mark Stockwell. And it's just a, a podcast devoted to bass jumping and trying to add some knowledge and information into the community. Fantastic. I love Laurent. He's a great guy. I've yeah. really enjoyed his friendship over the years and really look forward to seeing him. It's been, we're overdue to reconnect. So, um, well, maybe just come out and reconnect on the podcast and give us your. Uh, your expertise when it comes to canopy flying, because I know you're doing a lot of that, and uh, we're trying to add a lot more of that into our world. Um, so, you know, when you find the time and space, come and give us a little lesson. Well, I would be honored. It would be my pleasure. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I look forward to it. Yeah. Um, so, I the whole point of the show is keeping it real, like being vulnerable, diving in, like telling the hard stories and like getting into who we are. So if it's okay, I'm going to dive right in. Yeah, dive right in. Talk to me about Matt Kenny. Oh, Matt Kenny. Matt Kenny was uh, one of the, and I, I say this with the most positive regard I possibly can manage, one of the coolest guys I've ever met. Um, super genuine soul followed his own path uh somebody that you know you genuinely enjoyed just spending time with and also you know just a general crusher when it came to air sports um as comfortable in a wingsuit as he was at burning man as he was you know interacting in a business you know sense i I have almost nothing bad to say about him. And he's also like an incredibly handsome gentleman. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to jump in here for a second yeah, jump in. because my very first interaction with Matt Kenny was at Burning Man. And I have to say, he was a hot mess. Hot mess? He was a hot mess. We <laughs> rolled up to his camp to visit. And, you know, Jamie, our mutual friend Jamie, had said, hey, let's, we're going to go meet up with my friend Matt. And he came, you know, stumbling out of his tent in some cut-off <laughs> jean shorts. And yeah, he was a very attractive fella. And, it, you know, it's a morning, you know, kind of waking him, you know, like rise up after you know, a big night out. And so both my first and last interactions with Matt Kenny were at Burning Man. So oh, nice. and the introduction was there and then the closing of the memorial with Sky family raising a hymn from the temple yeah. towards Matt after his passing and hearing our family of skydivers and bass jumpers cheering in our very traditional family way, which is this hymn, hymn, all turned together, yeah. fuck him. And that fuck him, of course, is like a deeply loving, appreciative way to say, you know, it's fuck him. That says, I love you. It says, I miss you. It says, I, I care about you. It says, you're special to me. It says, you inspired me. It's a, it's a deeply honoring and respectful way to like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a fuck him, but with a tear in your eye at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a beautiful moment. Yeah. We, uh. We set his wingsuit alight um, on a giant temple that burned. And even from a distance, like you could see it like ignite, you know, amongst this like blaze that was literally 20 stories tall. We could see that wingsuit just really just come to life. It was a great moment and a good send off. And his mom was there, too. Yeah. 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 I remember meeting wow. her there. Yeah. What an epic human his mom is, too. I actually just messaged her on Mother's Day thanking her and saying that she is one of my heroes. And so Mother's Day was just a couple of days ago, yeah. and that's that really um, warms my heart to hear you say that because I remember spending quite a bit of time with her. Um, it was our friend Sharni Pero who had helped to facilitate her being there, to the best of my knowledge, and... She's Sharni's very matriarchal, right? Like she yeah. she plays that mother role in our base jumping and sky family culture. And she had that interaction going on with with Matt, Kenny's mom. And I remember sitting down and chatting and hanging out with her and having some of that like. I can't imagine what it's like for a mother to lose a son. Yeah, both of them, too. Oh, no, really? Yeah, she uh, she lost her first her oldest son to the military. And then uh, several years later, lost uh, Matt Kenny to base jumping. 
And that's why, like, I feel like she's just one of my absolute heroes because she showed up to all of the events that we had planned for Matt Kenny. And you normally assume that you're going to have to, like, support somebody like that, you know, like a parent's coming. Like, they're not going to understand any of this. Right. And they're going to wonder, like, what kind of freaky, weird people she's about to meet that, like, are celebrating her son's death. And, and she came so correct. It was, like, ridiculous. Like, she came with excess support for all of us. Yeah. Like, she looked at all of us and went, oh, let me give all of you a hug. Like, you guys seem to need some support here, which was just outrageous. Her perspective on all of it was next level. Talk to me about next level. Oh, the uh, <laughs> hey, easy segue. Well, yeah, yeah um, I'm going to take the opportunity. I see it right there. Like. Yeah. So following the 2014, 15, 16 seasons, which saw 30 plus people dying in the sport. Yeah. Uh, amongst them was Matt Kenny. Um, we started to look at the problem of how why are so many people dying wingsuit base jumping? And the clear answer was that there was just misinformation across the board. You know, you'd hear something uh, from an, a quote unquote expert, you know, on the East Coast about like how to fly a wingsuit. And it would be totally different from an expert saying something on the West Coast. And, you know, this advice eventually led to people just doing radically stupid things uh, that were just fundamentally against aerodynamic principles. And so uh, we thought like, well, how are we going to solve this? We need to create some kind of standard for education in this world, you know, much like you guys did with um, Flight One. And to be quite fair, like we didn't really know a whole about a whole bunch about what we were doing initially. And so we followed your model of like, how do we structure these courses? How do we create a team? <clears throat> and eventually we came up with a, a traveling wingsuit base instruction program that would go drop zone to drop zone and try and educate not only the people wanting to wingsuit, but like all of the instructors as well mm -hmm. to best practices and procedures and try and just level up everybody's game when it came to base jumping and especially wingsuiting. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really, really trying time. And so segueing again, I mean, everything connected, you know, I'll, I'll just go ahead and just lean on it. You know, this little emblem right here, the flower of life, it just it em embolizes the concept of everything connected, each of us being one of the circles that overlaps each other and is infinitely connected to one another. And this is the whole concept of the walking each other home uh, ideologies that we're all on one journey together. So 2014, 15, 16 in, in the world of wingsuit base jumping is an all time low. Yeah, it's an all time low as far as the losses that the community suffered when it comes to um, what you to be, you know, completely critical and transparent about it. We lost more of the best people than the sport has ever lost in its history. So a lot of the number, you know, the top tier jumpers went in in a very short period of time, which made it really scary for the entire sport as a whole because it made us question, rightfully so, it made us question, what are we doing? Yeah. And w does it make any sense? Are we lying to ourselves? Seriously. Is this just a big joke? <clears throat> yeah. You know? Yeah, we, we lost, uh, it was like our, it's our D-Day, man. Like yeah. 2015, we lost 10 people in 11 days. Oh, God. We like, we couldn't even, I couldn't even catch up with all the people. I would, like somebody would say, oh, somebody else went in. And I'm like, yeah, I already know about that. And they're like, no, you don't. Like yeah. somebody just went in two hours ago. I'm like, oh my God, can we like, please just take a break? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I really wanted everybody to like, could the world just stop jumping for a second? Yeah. Because I couldn't feel, I couldn't manage the amount of grief that was incoming. There was so much, it was just stacking and stacking and stacking and stacking. And so this whole period led to the culmination or the inst it instigated the event that we just recently returned from which is the last in its series or its lineage which is the vegas yeah. sky family reunion and so oh, each of these things is like integrally integral integrally and connected. integrally yeah. connected right so we had this growth period where our community really becomes worldwide largely because of the internet 
in a lot of the truth. Like we, we, we get into YouTube and we get on Instagram and all of a sudden everybody is less um, geographically isolated and we're more connected everywhere. And so there's a growth bubble that comes out of the early 2000s in base jumping. And then by 2010, wingsuit technology and the internet combined have kind of like pushed the acceleration of this dynamic to just a ramp up, you know, like a, a what do you call it when the exponential, an exponential curve. Yeah. 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 Thank you. And so I can say with my own experience, I'm now 20 years into wingsuit base jumping and I'm very happy to still be alive having ridden that ride. No doubt. Wow. At that 10 years in, we were at the crazy part of the exponential curve and the community grew at such a rate and developed at such a rate of performance that it was almost unfathomable to believe what we were seeing. Like it, it was like, you literally can't believe what you're seeing with your own eyes. And as it hit that peak of potentiality, we also hit our peak of pilot skills and understanding of our limits of our potentials and our potential, our emotional availability at the same time. Like it was like a worldwide pandemic of sorts where like yeah. everybody emotionally hit their limit and was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, break please. Yeah. Yeah, what a wild time. So walking each other home, let's come back around, mm -hmm. spin the clock back around to Moab 2022 winter just closed out. And yeah. we just finished a, at least I just finished being involved with a period of a, um, a social group that you developed and you spearheaded. And I'm very grateful for you doing so. I would like to publicly express gratitude. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah. Very, thanks for being involved. Like couldn't have done it without you. No, you could have. No, no, you, no, 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 no. <laughs> you would have, you would have, and you could have, but I, I would have did participate. Yeah. But it would have been a lot more challenging, especially initially. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to have been involved. So Matt just, um, took the reins in his hands and just took charge. And it's like, Hey, I'm putting together winter base club and every week, um, yeah, every week, about it. Yeah, 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 every week we just got together and chatted about some aspect of base jumping that everyone was uh, curious about. And the idea was that, like, collectively we have a lot, of, a lot of knowledge, but individually we don't. And so the prime goal was just to get together and pick up the pieces that people knew and try and, like, rise the tide. Um, yeah. And so we went through everything from you know, handheld technique to free fall technique to micrometeorology to, you know, mindset. And, uh, you know, we had experts coming in from all different fields uh, to express like, you know, their um, expertise. You know, we had medical professionals and paragliders and, you know, wingsuit base jumpers and, and all of it. And meanwhile, we also shared a bunch of tragedy together as it as it happened. Um, yeah. You know, we. Our, our goal was to try and um, understand why people were going in and avoid people going in. That was like the the prime directive. And so, uh, yeah, every week we, we got together and did that. And I, I think, you know, it had a ton of far reaching effects. Like it was hard to see right then in the moment, like what we were uh, like, what the effect was. But afterwards, um, like it's not winter anymore. People are still like hitting me up going like, hey, you know, that thing we talked about, you know, I'm still working on it. And, you know, do you have some more advice on this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, who, who can I, you know, contact about this? I want to get better at that. I'm like, OK, th these people, sweet. Yeah. You know, so I think um, at the very least, we started a groundswell, um, you know, effort or a groundswell of of people wanting to improve their base jumping rather than just like kind of riding along, not knowing uh, where to turn. So I, I hear you speaking about it in a very, um, it's kind of logical or technical. We're talking about people becoming bitter base jumpers, but I'll be honest with you. I went to at least half a dozen of these and the show was not just about being better base jumpers it's about being a community 
Yeah. It's about learning to listen and respect each other. It's about learning to tell each other to shut the fuck up when they're yeah. talking shit. Oh my God, please. Yeah. Let's spend please. some time on that. Let's, let's talk. Yeah. Yeah. One of the prime things that we opened our meetings with was like, uh, you should be comfortable telling somebody to shut the fuck up and you should be comfortable hearing, uh, you know, shut the fuck up. That's the key piece. Yeah. Cause that's the hard, it's easy to tell somebody to shut, shut up. the fuck up. It's hard yeah. to receive that you need to do that. Right? right. And why would you? Yeah. Well, I mean, what we're, what our goal was, was to get people that didn't uh, know something, uh, to start having enough ego to, to pipe up, you know, and say like, Hey, I don't understand that. Like, please like shut the fuck up and, you know, Give me some more. Like you just glossed over that. And also for the people that knew something to check their ego and be able to hear, you know, that they might be wrong. Mm. Um, I think, you know, in this world specifically of base jumping, um, a one piece of mince information uh, trumps 10 pieces of good information. And mm. it's not something that we have time to consider. You know, if if you say something that's wildly inaccurate, and we've witnessed this on exit points and, and things like this, if you say something wildly inaccurate, and my response to that is like, well, you know, Jay, like, let's consider another option while everyone kind of like thinks about both your point of view and my point of view on this, right? Right there, everyone like starts to consider and package the misinformation that was just spread versus if you say like, yo, shut the fuck up, man. Right. Everyone goes, okay, hold on. What I just heard might not be something that I should like write to memory. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like a, you know, stop the record. Let's chat this out. It's important. Not a like, oh, you've got your opinion. I've got my opinion. Like there are certain times where that is just not appropriate anymore. And so that's where like the, the shut the fuck up came from. So thank you for that. I think we each told each other that at some point throughout yeah. the series of events, yeah. you know, where we're like, so one of us starts to kind of just elaborate on something without complete and utter confidence and clarity that what we're saying is fact. And if it's not fact, it's hearsay. And it means somebody's life. That's that's the reality of that's it. That's the reality. Right? It yeah. goes down the chain. Somebody tells it to somebody else, and then that gets turned into a jump that goes the wrong way, and it it takes somebody's life. And that was great. Like we didn't take it personally. It was like, okay, I said what I know, and now I'm trying to fill in the gaps. And if somebody, anyone in the space, has a way to like add more information to what I, where I'm trying to go, then just take the wheel. Right. And so like, I would start explaining something and then I would start trailing into like, Ooh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really struggling here. And then Jay just be like, okay, shut the fuck up. And I'd be like, okay, fine. And then he would take the ball and, and we'd, you know, keep adding the information in. Right. And then he would trail off and be like, okay, shut the fuck up. I know what I'm saying now. All right, let's, let's go. Right. Yeah. And by, a, by being able to pass the torch, that quickly and aggressively, um, everyone got, I think, a better picture without having to consider like a bunch of spurious and, you know, nonsensical information. Yeah. One of the things I struggle with, and I can see many other jumpers struggle with the same thing, is personal opinion versus observed facts, you know, and with air sports, specifically air sports, I mean, we don't even have to just say base jumping, we can say air sports as, as a whole, human flight, even down to like core principles of aerodynamics, there's a lot of disagreement. Yeah. It, it, there's a lot of disagreement and there's a lot of assumption and you just have to have, sometimes you have to go on faith or information that may or may not be creditable and there's so there's a lot of assumption in it and it means we, we don't have hollow bones we don't have feathers and birds fly into shit all the time yeah. <laughs> birds yeah. crash they hit walls i've seen birds fly straight into the ground and kill themselves yep yep a number of times terrain yeah. terrain yeah Kabam, <laughs> right so the bird is no less fallible than us they have it much easier because they're built to fly but as we try to fly it's going to be even harder for us and we're we need to be cognizant of that and really considerate of it so here's the challenge we end up and i'll use this example as, as um I, uh, you're on an exit point you're about to jump you have somebody who has one opinion 
somebody who has a different opinion. And these are personal opinions or feelings about a particular yes, I want to jump or no, I don't want to jump. And here's why I would or wouldn't or whatever the conversation might be. And there's somebody in the middle. Mm-hmm. And you could have these two people with different opinions, different experience levels, different life goals, different whys for why they're jumping. What are their motivations? And they have different, you know, decisions. One person's like, yes, I'm going to go because ABC. Other person, equal experience level, could have decades in the sport. Both of them, you know, equally qualified to have an opinion. And the other person goes, here's why I'm not going to go ABC. These are my reasons. And so you have two decisively different opinions and then most likely you have a junior jumper or a student or an up-and-comer and this is just an analogy for life here folks we're just talking about this is how we learn from each other we don't have to be on an exit point we're just in a conversation about how we deal with our partner in life yeah or our family or our job or how to react to a certain situation this is reacting to a situation and you have one person guiding you to go one direction and another person guiding you to go another direction and you're left looking at your mentors or your more experienced elders, the ones who are there to help you make a decision and you're left having to assess and and take whatever each of them has to say and, and make it your own and then make your own decision, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's just you out there. You know, none of us are are going to feel the consequences of your broken bones, you know, and so like everyone can have an opinion, but like it doesn't serve you to follow theirs, you know, and no matter what their opinion is, like it's not as useful as the objective information that they could give you on that exit point. Like rather than saying like an exit is jumpable right now. Rather, let's talk about, you know, what the conditions are and, you know, what uh, kind of techniques we are using and, you know, all the other aspects that are more like written in stone than uh, are like opinions of like, oh, well, I think I can, you know, manage this exit point. So like I'm going to jump and I think everyone else should, you know, because like we're all in a group and it'd be easier if we're all down there together and blah, blah, blah. So let's circle back to Matt Kenny. Okay. What were the circumstances, um, if you could, if you would be so kind as to fill in some of the blanks for our audience? Well, I don't know a whole lot because I wasn't on that jump. Okay. Um, so that, that's a great starting point, uh, just to be a clarifying statement. Yeah. If you're not firsthand witness to something, you're not involved with something directly, everything is hearsay. So it's a great place to start off with. Thank you. Yeah, the... I, I was uh, one of the first calls that was made after that incident, um, and I did talk extensively with Scotty Bob, who, man, like, my heart goes out to Scotty Bob. Like, the amount of times that he has flown through a line and then landed and looked back and not found his friend uh, because they had gone in are, are just unfathomably high, way too high. Uh, so what happened uh, from... My recollection is that Matt was following uh, Scotty Bob through a line, um, and it was through two desert towers that constricted and also took a jog. So imagine like flying through a slot canyon that turns right, that also like diminishes as it gets, uh, as you get lower into it. Yeah. And it's pinching. Yeah, pinching. And so uh, Scotty Bob was a little higher than Matt on the line uh, and made the turn uh, knowing where it was. Uh, And Matt was just a little lower on the line in the constriction point. And when he went to like lean over and make that uh, make that turn, he basically like slid out into uh, the like into the outside piece of the wall Um, and then got, uh, you know, you know, you basically went in in that crevice like inside of a a desert tower like in the middle of it okay and this was 20 2016 2016 so right yeah. at the peak of the crest that yeah. was the the peak of peak year was 2016 yeah, yeah. i think there were there were 30 plus deaths 20 uh 2016 as were uh, as they were on 24 2015 and i think there were like high 20s if not approaching if not maybe a 30 in 2014 which just to put a point on this uh each one of those years 
uh, marked more death than the entire 1990s combined in base jumping. Each year. Each year. Each year was Each an year. entirety. Was an entire decade yeah. of base jumping. Yeah. So that's that says something about the there, there's a couple things to factor in there, which is for those of us who are lifers, and I would consider you a lifer in the community because it really becomes our whole life. You know, it's our whole family. It's everything we do. And if we ever stop jumping, it doesn't matter. We're still, these are our fair friends and family forever. So mm-hmm. the number of people who base jumped 25 years ago was in the hundreds. Yep. Right. And now the numbers of people are in the multiple thousands. Yep. So the total number of people participating in this sport is so much higher. So we have a much higher rate of participation, which means you're going to have much higher numbers. But the actual amount of human error that was occurring was also ex- extremely escalated. So yeah. I want to kind of bring that back to the work that you're doing or that we're doing, we're all doing towards trying to help guide our younger family and the Winter Base Club being a prime example. We had membership there who had zero base jumps. Yeah. Baby birds who had signed up to skydive because they plan to become base jumpers and they're following the route to that path. And they've been guided that way through other, you know, through the, the system that's in place in our community says, hey, if you want to become a base jumper, you should follow this path of learning to skydive first and then coming to seek out mentorship and a school. And so we, we've got these baby birds in hand and we're trying to care for them. And that is literally the concept of walking each other home. Like yeah. we're walking each other to the edge of the cliff, you know, walk each other to a bridge and saying, OK, baby bird, off you go. Yeah. Like quite literally. Quite literally. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to put a lot of respect out for that. I've personally can, I I can relate in a deep way as I've taught many people to base jump and mentored many people over the years. And I have a lot of appreciation and um, gratitude for the effort that you particularly put forward in this community because in Moab, where we both are right now, we're, we're kicking it in Moab. And, oh, we're in Claude today. We're in Claude Dam Van. This is my Sprinter van. <laughs> yeah. He just got a little rebuild, getting ready for a, a fresh season on the road. It's beautiful in here. In Moab, there's a lot of jumping. This is a, a, a world-renowned location. Uh, people come from all over the world to jump here. At times, there'll be hundreds of people here jumping at yeah. once. And it has been a destination rec- destination recreation uh, of all kinds, but specifically for base jumping, it's, I'd say, top three places in the world to go base jump. And we have a huge local community and needs leadership and mentorship. So I'm really stoked to see what you're doing. And I think I remember reading in some of your um, biography that you have a degree in psychology. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have a degree in um, psychology. Uh, specifically, it was uh, for social behavior and with a focus on sports psychology. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. It really comes through in the work that you do. And it's a pleasure to watch your work. And, and oh, thank thanks. you. Yeah. 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 It served me well. Um, everybody uh, always asked like, well, have you done anything with your degree? Asking if I had gone into like, you know, formal therapy. And I'm like, yeah, I've done a ton, though. I've never done that. You know, I know that. I mean, you know this, having mentored and taught all these people in air sports, like you have to, you have to dispense therapy to these people, yeah. like getting somebody to perform optimally, uh, in a radically dangerous environment, you know, is more about them controlling, you know, or at least understanding their emotions and how to react, um, than it is like giving them a prescription of like, do this, then this, then this, and everything's going to work out. I think you just touched very pointedly right on the nail on the head with what is actually happening is emotional awareness. Yeah. We specifically with uh, free fall sports, you what happens is we basically we start the countdown timer, you know, which we, we walk through life on a day to day basis 
pretending or ignoring or forgetting or you know just being completely oblivious to the fact that the countdown timer is taken away. We do so with such blatant disregard that we whittle our time away on Facebook or Netflix hmm. or like doing something completely like do we just waste our lives, literally waste our lives at times where it's like, nah, whatever, I just don't, whatever. As we step into free fall, we put a very clear end to the countdown timer in Base jumping in Moab, it's usually under five seconds where that countdown timer will end. Yeah. And in other forms of skydiving, it's in the 30 or 60 second range that you're setting the clock. You go like, you have 60 seconds before impact and you've just hit start on the timer, yeah. right? Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and so it brings us into this state of appreciation, right? Where we now have to appreciate that we only have, you know, 30 or 40 seconds left to live. Yeah. And what do we do with them? Yeah. Yeah, you really got to have your shit together. Like there are no slow problems in that environment. And so all of the issues that you're going to face are, in my opinion, going to be, uh, you know, driven by emotions because it's it's too fast of an environment for analytical thought. You can't like crunch what's happening and then analyze it and then come up with, uh, you know, a prescriptive action. Like you just have to feel it and do it. It's a flow sport. It is a flow sport. And so that's that's more about, for me, trusting my emotions to give me the right cues at the right time and intuitively understanding, you know, the, the mechanics of what I need to do. Right? So, like, yeah, like when somebody gets into those sports, I think it is largely about aligning their emotional and physical sides so that they are in unison and ready to uh, operate effectively and calmly um, in that environment at speed. When you start a five second countdown, uh, now for to clarify some math for anybody who's not already a base jumper, five seconds to impact, how many feet? Five seconds to impact, it's like, uh, it's, around, it's around 500. Yeah, yeah, just around 500 feet, right? Yeah. So everything here in this local jump, like jumping area, you have un, you're under that number. Yeah. So as soon as you step off, you have under five seconds before you're going to impact. And really, the last second is not going to count because that's you need all of it. Yeah, yeah you, you need, need all, all of that it. last second. All, to open, all, yeah. all, every single piece of it to get a parachute open in. Yeah. So you really only got about four seconds for everything to happen. And so you get this major time dilation effect where what happens is the whole world it's like your eye just goes whoop and it expands there's a there's a scene in one of my favorite cheeseball movies of all time which is armageddon <laughs> and right at the end it kind of zooms in right through her eyeball through her iris yeah. and then there's this whole scene that plays out in a microsecond and it's really fast fast motion imagery you know of the world and rockets and sunsets and life and the deep hug and mother's baby and crying and somebody passing and like the just the infinity of life all in that instant and i, I want to kind of pull into your own personal appreciation tell me about how these sports have changed you oh man wow so many ways um I, I described it on an, another like interview that um, it was it freed my soul. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, I, I'll define like you know soul as you know the the part of our being that like senses energy, you know that like is either in harmony with the energy around it or not. Like our soul is that, like that piece. And it might be much more than that, but like, at least it's, it's that. Um, and so, you know, I, I grew up, um, largely afraid to do the things that my soul was driving me to do, you know, largely controlled by the patterns that, um, I had grown accustomed to, uh, through interacting in society. Um, and so first and foremost, base jumping got me to rewire all of those in almost one single instance of <laughs> jumping off the bridge once, you know, because you stand there and every piece of evolutionary pattern that your body can manage 
um, tells you not to jump off that that bridge, even yeah. if you've spent so much dedicated time and effort to understand that, like, logically, you're going to be able to, you know, make it through. It's still like your body, like, freezes you to the rail and says, don't do this. This is not right. Um, and so stepping through that zone, um, I got into a realm which I regard as, as true crazy. Um, you know, I, I happily wear the moniker crazy and that is something that base jumping has given to me i watch you move through life and through sports and there's no way that i would attach the word crazy to the intentionality behind the way that you execute your decision making no, definitely not. Yeah. But let me uh, also I'll define crazy because uh, that's also part of my job at Disney is the taxonomy. So I'm really interested in words. Um, so crazy, I was def I would define as capable of doing something that puts oneself at risk. Right. Like, uh, uh -huh. you know, crazy is a capacity to do something that would harm yourself, you know, like. There are a lot of people that that legitimately like their bodies will not be able to put themselves in the death zone, right? Most people. Most people, well, yeah. yeah. Like their bodies just will not allow it, right? And once you've crested that hill and are able to do that, then you're capable of anything. And so when we look at crazy people, we go like, what, what is that person doing? Like, they're just, they're just raving and they're doing all this nonsense that's totally unpredictable. And, and that is one thing you can do with crazy. Like, you can do totally unsustainable, totally wild things. You can also do, like, incredibly altruistic, incredibly, um, you know, compassionate things. Uh, you know, like, I would say Mother Teresa is a crazy person. Like, yeah. totally devoid of self-interest, you know, for this one goal, right? And so crazy to me is a capacity to do anything. I love it. And I join you. Sweet. Yeah. yeah, dude, you're yeah. crazy, man. Cheers. Like, yeah, cheers. Yeah. Like, you're yeah. one of the original crazies. Yeah. <laughs> I just, like, I'll, I'll take my place in line. I won't take credit for being original, although I would say I have created some things. I, well, I don't know, dude. I think you probably were called crazy more than most, uh, you know, coming up in the swooping days where, you know, high performance canopy flight was like, dude, insanity. Like, hurtling your body towards the ground and, and basically having a low pole contest with the ground, you know, <laughs> every single time, every single time. Yeah. yeah like yeah. It, th that, that was, reg I, I bet you were called crazy more than, more than must. I, I have to openly admit and acknowledge that I consciously made a decision to make the stupidest decision I could ever possibly make with my life, which was to say, I'm go literally going to hurl myself at the ground as fast as I possibly can, and then wait until the last possible second to literally scrape out by an inch of like physical measurement. And that is the goal. The goal is to like put as much speed and as much energy in, and then do the physics to make it work so that the energetic return will just barely save me and that if, if i could get it to make a one-to-one -one return ratio as far as the amount of speed that went in ver vertically to become the amount of speed that comes out horizontally then i was achieving my goal and i actually surpassed it numerous times to return make more energy than i had before which is like a physics mind fuck because it shouldn't work yeah, you shouldn't end up going faster horizontally than you did vertically because that's not it's equal energy, but there's an extra energy in which is pendular energy. And then there's atmospheric energy and there's all these other energies. But it's just a fun play with life. And you got to be a freaking lunatic. You got to so, be. A, yeah, dude, for yeah. sure. Like, you know, I came up in a day where everyone had figured this out already or at least had a really good understanding of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Y'all invented that. And, you know. In order to do that, like a human body was not designed to be going a terminal velocity speed or a, a critical speed at the ground and be calm and executing like it, it wasn't designed to do that. It was designed to avoid that situation at all costs. Like you had to design that in. And that's crazy. So let's go back to the flow state piece of that, because there's a 
there's a few experiences in my life that I can look back on with ultimate clarity. And I remember every single instance involved in them. And they were very out of body experiences where mm-hmm. they didn't really feel like I was inside of myself. I was more that I was just, and when I say out of body, it was like I was just slightly behind myself yeah. watching everything happen and not having any fear, not having any concern, completely detached as if I were watching a movie that I was almost not even interested in. <laughs> and in that, I could watch my mind analyze, like the critical, analytical part of the, the mind doing its thing of analyze, analyze, analyze. And then I could see my body going through all the motions that it's so trained to do to execute yeah. the physical interaction with the machine or the the wing or whatever it is that needs to be operated. And then the emotional being, the mind, the body, and the soul, just smiling ever so slightly like a Buddha smile, right? Like just a light little smile of like, I'm really enjoying how curious this all is. And just observing that whole thing. And the times where that's happened have been when things have gotten really, really scary and they're not going quite like they should. And it seems like it's all about to implode and it's about to end. Or when it's all going absolutely perfectly, like it's on rails. Yeah. Like you're just riding the ride. And I'd like you to tell me something from your own experience that somewhat mirrors this, because I know you have them. Yeah, totally. I got, I got tons of those. And, you know, I think it's not inappropriate to use the word transcendent. You know, when we're in that flow experience, like what you're describing is very much what I feel. And it, it feels like transcending one's physical form for a moment and just being outside of oneself, you know, kind of in a, I don't know, a spiritual other zone. <laughs> um, and so I think the, the most I've experienced that is, is wingsuit terrain flying. Yeah. And, you know, if you're going to go field goaling like 10 trees in a row, you know, that's in the death zone for a long time. Yeah. You know, and you have to make such quick movements and, and such educated, aggressive decisions. And, you know, so in order to do that, like your body just kind of separates from, you know, its being and then you just flow through. And uh, let's see, like, I mean, the, the first uh, the first time I really experienced that was my my first wingsuit base jump off of uh, Half Dome. And I, I got to admit, it grabbed me so hard that I almost didn't pull. Uh-huh. Like straight up, man. Uh-huh. Like the, I, I know that feeling. Yeah. yeah, I do know that feeling. Dude, yeah. the amount of peace that was was attained through that one flight, like, was unbelievable it was it was beyond any other experience that i had ever get gotten and i had to convince myself to like re-enter the body and like you know pull the parachute i was like you can do this again like get the fuck back in there you you have to remind yourself that it's a it's not sustainable to continue flight right like that we do have to transition out of flight and back to parachute and descend and back into being a human right right i was like i can be luke skywalker in that like movie scene, but only for the moment, right? Yeah, but for the yeah for the moment, it felt like my soul was totally free, and you know, it would have been it would have been equally satisfying, you know, to just continue flying. <laughs> but, but I was like, you know what? I, I've got more flights here. Like, there's there's no reason to just like ride this one <laughs> to the deck. <laughs> no. So that said. This is something I've been struggling with, and I'll I'll look at the camera because I'll share with you. I have had a lot of personal challenges around the idea of once you, once one attains an emotional experience such as what Matt was just describing, where you kind of like check all these, it's like riding the rainbow kind of thing. Like, it just doesn't get any better than this. There's a kind of a terrifying polarity that there's a downside to that. And it's hard to find your way back to a middle ground where a day-to-day life of just going to work and doing your thing can 
be satisfying or sustaining or feel like it's got enough value or worth to not be like below the median of, of like a value to keep going. So these extremely heightened experiences push our dopamine threshold way up. And then our day to day dopamine ride is way below the level. And so we find ourselves quite low. And I'd like to speak towards what do you do or how do you approach life? How have those lessons, like those value experiences changed the way that you look at the others, the other moments in life, which are not pinnacle rainbow rides, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not riding the rocket ship into space. How do you reap that same wow feeling from the simpler moments? Well, okay, so twofold. Um, First, I believe that everything is in balance in some way. And I also believe that our experiences are relative. And so if, uh, if we're just living nothing but like awesome wingsuit base jumping moments every, every day, then eventually they, they become meaningless. And so like, I genuinely enjoy some of the mundane things that I do because it, it gives more, um, what's the word for it? Uh, it, it makes the other heightened experiences, um, extra special. You know, so like I, I find joy in, in the peace. Like I think I found a lot of this, um, you know, in rock climbing where you'd be out on the wall for like, you know, four or five days, maybe a week, whatever, you know, just like suffering your ass off. Right. And then you'd get home and you'd be like, all right, I'm doing nothing now. <laughs> and that nothing felt so good, mm-hmm. so good because it was in balance with like all this other stuff. Um, I, I guess the second part to your question is like, how do I find um, some sense of joy from uh, the everyday things in life? Yeah. And uh, I think the more I, time I've spent in the flow experience, the more I've been able to find a little bit of flow in whatever I'm doing, if I can like focus my attention and uh, maintain the same presence. Like, I mean, like you can get the same flow experience out of watching blades of grass grow or shift across the sky as the sun, like, you know, it rises to set. Uh, it's it a lot more difficult. Like you're almost thrust into that present moment uh, when we wingsuit base jump versus like you got to really want it in other moments. So this is you touched right on the key point here. The requirement of your attention and the amount of your attention and how focused your attention is and your willingness to give that attention yeah in one of these heightened experiences is it's check marks all across 10 10 10 10 10 right like you have to give it every ounce of attention it requires it you're willing to it's necessary and it's worth it and because you've put your full attention and removed distraction, you're able to have this heightened experience, which may be, you know, flying through treetops, like, you know, field goals uh, as a bird. But then that same potential to focus as we are right now. Yeah. And I've heard you say it many times. Be here now. Yeah. Right. And it's as simple as that. Like this conversation is a flow experience for me because we're both here now. Yeah. Like I'm not thinking about what I have to do tomorrow or what I did yesterday or whatever's happening outside of this van. I don't fucking care. Right. And so right now I'm here and I'm now and it's a flow experience. Right? It's not the same like flow experience as wingsuit base jumping. But sometimes but- it is. Sometimes I leave a conversation and I'm so thrilled about the conversation. Yeah. I've ha- I have to reflect. There was a conversation that we had at Burning Man following Temple Burn. Mm-hmm. And we had circled up in a group and it was a random montage of friends just, you know, found each other on the playa and we're in a circle and the conversation started flowing and I couldn't with authenticity, recall the words, but the flow state of the conversation was so cosmic that 
the question would come, the answer would come, the statement would come, the following statement would come, and the group and the energy and that synchronicity and the connectivity and the alignment of everybody's energy in that experience, to me, that left such a lasting impact. And I truly cherished that moment so deeply and still do cherish, obviously do cherish it so deeply that it, that the potential for that level of connectivity left me inspired at level 10 to look for that and to seek it and to develop it and foster it and find it and look for more people who want to do the same thing. So that presence and attention and willingness and vulnerability and openness and, and aggressive yeah. The aggressiveness of that, like, I'm just going to throw it in here without <laughs> fucking being afraid for a second of how I'm going to feel about it or what. It's just, the, it's just right to just go with it. And I just love that. It just, it really anchored our friendship. I want to say that. Nice. Yeah. It yeah, really it was a beautiful moment. It was. It was yeah. fantastic. And it just enthralled me. And it, it really pivoted my life in a direction that went, made me go, wow, wow, this is. That that was inspiring. That was one of the best group hugs that I've ever had. Yeah. Like everyone circled up, kind of breathing in unison. It was oh gosh. Yeah, that was that was a transcendent experience for sure. So, so there's that that equality, yeah. right? That was a transcendent experience. Yeah. And it was transcended in the sense that it was due to connection with others. Yeah. And so this is the key point that I want to pull from this conversation. I can look back and I think you may as well reflect on this in a similar way. And this is, I may think I might wrap things up with this. Okay. We can look back at our careers as adventure athletes at elite adventure athletes and say, wow, I rode that huge wave. I climbed that wall. I did this amazing line down this mountain. Look at what I did. But it was, it's very individualized. It's just my own experience. And I can say this, you know, yeah, that that swoop that I did, which was the best swoop I ever did. It was incredibly interesting, curious, fun, flow state, transcendent. But I was still alone (laughs) in that experience. And if I compare that peak wingsuit flight or peak swoop experience to the one where I was connected. Yeah. I'll take the connection one any day of the week. Yeah, life is better shared. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if, uh, if it's a return to source, then uh, returning to source amongst people is my preference too. Yeah. I had one more question, and it has the same piece. Where else do you find those transcendent moments where you've got the connection the community, the connection, that, that feeling and that ability to step outside of oneself. When does that come for you? Oh man, uh, I have, <laughs> this is so interesting. I had one of these moments, um, at, uh, the Vegas party this year during your set. And <laughs> mostly I find these moments dancing, dancing. Yeah. And, uh, this was, uh, when you were playing, uh, that Elton John uh, Rocket piece. Man. Yeah, Rocket Man. Rocket Man. And it, it just like, it floored everyone. It was such a great mix and it was such a great tone and it was such a great vibe. Like everyone stopped conversations and just looked up and then started just moving their feet. And that was that was a beautiful moment. You know, that was a transcendent moment. Um, so to answer your question, dancing and uh, most recently dancing to your music. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad that it had the effect that's, that's the desired outcome. I can remember looking from the stage and seeing people hugging each other yeah. and people turning and raising that like celebratory fist in the air. <laughs> like, Punk, yes, yes, yes yeah. you know, this moment right here, right now. Exactly. Yeah. Us. Present, yeah. Yes. Us <laughs> connective and us emoting. Yeah. Us emoting like us really feeling all of it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I love you, man. I love you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> thank Dude, you very much. Thanks for the conversation. I, I really appreciate it. This was rad. Yeah, I really appreciate this too. And uh, I'll look forward to more conversations, both on air and in person and private together. And uh, it's been really special to have you on the show. Um, thank you very much for, for being here. 
Yeah, most welcome. If you want to find Matt, uh, blanketstunts.com. Um, Matt Blanket on Instagram. A podcast is Exit Point. Where mm-hmm. we find that? Uh, it's uh, everywhere that you can find in a, a podcast. Okay. Is there anywhere else that I've missed? Uh, that's it. Yeah. That's the list. All right. So um, thank you everybody for listening to this episode of Walking Each Other Home. It's uh, the journey that we're all on together. I look forward to con- conversing with you more about your journey. If you'd like to reach out to myself or Mel, you can find me on Instagram, Jason underscore Maledsky. Feel free to DM me anytime you want. I love receiving your messages. We'll, we'll walk each other home. And you can reach Mel at Mel Curtis, you know where to get Matt, Matt Blank, blanketstunts.com. If you'd like to support the show, Patreon is truly what is making this happen for us. Um, We've been just putting it out out of pocket for years and we're happy to do so and we'll keep doing it. But if you want to put your money down, we'd love to have you and that will get you the invite to the Trust the Journey family. So donate on Patreon at any amount, Trust the Journey Not Today, and love to see you in the Trust the Journey family. Thanks again to Kimberly Joy Voice, our editor and producer, and keep loving, keep laughing, and keep trusting the journey.